love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. Don't you just love a good love story? Love is like that. It's the light that is part of your life. It's unconditional. There's something there for all of us. There's hope that we can get through this and find some joy in our lives. He's always been the one. Self-love is a love story too. Those little sparks of joy are really important. Imagine someone making your biggest dream come true. It's important for people to understand that you're not alone. We love to be part of a Canadian love story. The love story never ends. Well, love is the most important thing. I love her passion for what she does. Every aspect of her life, there's a real passion there. It makes me want to do better as well. What I love about Dale, oh my gosh, even to this day, anything I feel is hard, I can say to Dale and he's not going to run away. He will be supportive and listen. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. Today's love story belongs to Christina Martin and Dale Murray, both award-winning and multifaceted musicians. She's fierce and funny. He's calm and confident. She's in the spotlight while he's often behind the scenes. But somehow, and I think you'll agree after you listen to this episode, this life partnership makes for the most beautiful music. This is the Canadian Love Map. I'm actually looking at two pairs of beautiful blue eyes in the studio, and I want to say a big, huge, oh, now they're looking at each other with love. That's why they're on the love map. Welcome, Christina Martin and Dale Murray. This is such a delight. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. I'm so excited to make you talk about your love story. (laughs) I'm excited for you to make Dale talk about our love story as well. (laughs) Doesn't happen very often. Uh, Nobody asks. People don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Dale, you are like really the wind beneath her wings, aren't you? I try to be. He has really been my, uh, I've got a lot of supporters in my life over, you know, like uh, people have, I've been blessed for sure. But um, just, yeah, Dale, especially since I met you in 2007, has really championed every decision that I've made and wanted to join me on whatever adventure i I, you know, put forth and when things, you know, he really gave us permission and me permission to make mistakes, try things. And, and I knew that if things wouldn't work out, he would still be there loving me. And that meant so much because like, if you don't have that, that is more important than like money. So yeah, you are the wind beneath my wings. I don't know for how much longer, but anyway, it's been great so far. Thanks, babe. I'm, I'm with you. I like a good adventure. On the way here, I actually listened to the beginning of your most recent episode of your podcast, A Chat with Heart, and I loved, I, it was so perfect. I thought, of course, I just happened to turn this on because I was so happy to hear you say to your audience at the beginning of the episode, 
which features Anne Bayrube, by the way, a very Love good mutual her. friend. Yeah. Um, that uh, your number one episode in terms of downloads of all time was your very first one with your best friend, Dale Murray. That's right. It made sense because he is the most important uh, person in my life and in my career. And he, 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 you know, when we're touring, it's it's usually all about my my songs and uh, and people are talking to me. I'm talking on stage. Dale doesn't talk a lot, so people are curious and people re- I think really like you because you're a great listener. I'm looking at Dale now into his <laughs> stunning blue eyes. Um, you're a great listener, and you have a, a very calming effect on people, and you're easy on the eyes. And I, I think you're mysterious as well. So that's part. I think that's part of why people listen because I, have, I had close friends say I had no idea. My parents are like, I learned a lot about you. Really? About, yeah, yeah. So. I, I didn't even mention here. I objectified you, and but you're also extremely talented. People love what you create. Your your music, the music you make with other people, and so all of that. I want to talk about your love affair. With music. Oh, I thought we were going to get really into it. Yeah, no, we're not going to get there yet. Mm -hmm. We'll turn up the volume later. (laughs) Dale, how how did music start in your young life? Um, I guess it it just hit me. Like around 12 years old, all I wanted to do was listen to music, play music. I don't know why. Um, It just, yeah, I I guess a, a lot of people at that age, like, around 12 find their thing maybe or or Mm -hmm. or want like something grabs them and uh and music was it was that for me once i was able to get my hands on a guitar i just didn't put it down and it just kept going really i feel like i have to plant my tongue firmly in my cheek when i ask this question which i would ask of anyone do you Mm -hmm. come from a musical family (laughs) i do come from a musical family there's what there's many musicians in in my family Anne Murray being the most notable, I guess. But but I've had other th- three other relatives, close relatives that that have had record deals, you know, like major label record deals. So yeah, it's in the family. But I don't think that was what made me fall in love with it. I mean, it was always around, and when it came to making a living from it, I could I I had role models that I could look at and say, oh, well, this can be done. But getting the fever for it was, I just came out of nowhere mm-hmm. for me, yeah. So how did you as a performer develop? Hmm. Well, I, I started playing in, in bars at, at the time when I came up. So at, you know, early age, 15 or 16, I was going to the Flamingo and playing open mic nights, the Double Deuce at that time. I guess I just, I got the bug from that. Although I did before that, I, I took part in a uh, a summer camp called Summer Rock. I don't know if you've heard of, about that. Oh, you probably have. The, yeah, this yeah, yeah. rock camp rock produced camp. a lot of amazing musicians. In yeah. fact, most of the musicians who've done well in the eastern end of the Absolutely. country probably went through that. I was there with with many, many people who are still doing it today. Joel Plaskett. Joel Plaskett was there the year I was yeah. there. That's where we met. Having that experience was very eye-opening. And having like all these mentors, Jerry Grinelli was, was there when I was there, all these great players uh, teaching, like teaching us, uh, just kids, you know, that really set me on a path. Were you just excited to share and have a chance to play? Once I got comfortable with it and, and realized certain things, that's when 
when uh, the confidence sort of took a dip mm -hmm. and then it comes back a bit and stuff. But when you're a beginner, you're just psyched to be, to be doing what you love and, uh, and you don't really think about, you know, anything, anything could go wrong or, you know, stuff like that. You just, you're just happy to be up there. So you don't know what you don't know. You don't know <laughs> what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like you're, bravado. you're yeah. with people too, right? So that was probably, we're in this together. Like, so it's true. Yeah. If I was doing it by myself, I think there would, there would be That's some terrible. more nerves. Christina, what about you? Your youthful exploration of music, when did it start? Well, my mother uh, enlisted my brother and I in a rhythm class, and we, we were living in Fredericton, New Brunswick, so I would have been maybe four or five years old. And my mom and dad put us in piano at, in Fredericton as well, and I had this wonderful teacher, Jennifer, I don't remember her last name, and the first 30 minutes were uh, learning theory and um, you know practicing and learning classical music. And then if that went well, I was able to go to her synthesizer room. She had stacks of synths and I could play. I wanted to play rock and roll. Like I wanted to be in bands like her. She was in like a punk, you know, pop band. Um, and so in the beginning, music felt fun and like, okay, this could be something. I remember having melodies and ideas and being able to write and just loving it. And and then our life, our family situation changed. We we moved and to a different uh, location. We moved to Rossa, New Brunswick. I got a new teacher. That didn't go so well. I didn't like the approach. It felt very strict and stern. And I remember it being very upsetting and I wanted to quit. But I would still write music privately, not singing, not lyrics at that time. It was just melodies and it was like my own little private universe. But I had a plan to quit lessons. I hate, I despised it. And I didn't really touch music until I was invited to, through drinking with my my girlfriends, um, <laughs> we discovered that I could carry a tune. They right. told me, I had no idea, but I, I did like singing as a self-soothing kind of thing by myself. But my friends encouraged me to sing when we would drink. And eventually I was invited to sing the English cover songs in this band called Head Rush. So we did a couple shows, but I never thought I could do this seriously. And I had not written, you know, actual song lyrics or anything. And I didn't know how to play an instrument at that point. After my father passed away, I, you know, it's one of, it was one of those pivotal moments where um, I was like, you know, what do I really want to do? What, who am I? What the heck have I been doing? Like, and I moved to Austin, Texas, and that changed everything for me. And I began my real relationship, I think, with songwriting and my purpose, I think. Was the move to Austin all about diving into music or did it cause the dive into music? Yeah, not at all. It was my life was at that time a series of like blessed um, accidents where, I mean, I was open to trying new things. And then I think the universe was like trying to help me get me on a better track. I didn't know Austin was the live music capital of the world. I applied to be a nanny online. It was between Austin, Texas and San Francisco and Austin family offered me a van for the summer. And <laughs> so I went and then when I was there and because of the family I lived with that first summer in Austin, they introduced me to singer songwriters. They encouraged me. My host mom, Kim Oswald, gifted me the artist way. I was... I was 19, 20, and that uh, really set the stage for me to dedicate myself to making time for 
for be being an artist and writing and uh and exploring this thing it was it was very fresh all of it was very fresh wow so you moved back to Halifax and you were I did, you were yeah. doing both right you were someone who was a nanny who was like set on i'm going to create a music career yeah and i think when i met you around that time was when i had finally come around to making that firm decision that I cannot ignore this anymore. This is my gift that I have to pay attention to. But I, I you know, I, I did know that I like enjoyed doing this thing and that it brought me um, a sense of purpose and helped me breathe, you know. But you also have that it factor. And here we are, you're an award-winning, multi-award-winning artist. And so is your husband. <laughs> The thing I've always wanted the most, I think, without knowing it even, but I, I, feel, I do feel like there was an awareness that there was this part of me searching was a healthy relationship because I didn't have that in my life uh, growing up. I didn't see that in my parents. They they had hard times. And the fact that that is all I ever wanted, the fact that I have that with Dale is just my greatest joy and achievement, I think. And it's not always been easy, but no, but I mean, I'm just so, I'm so proud of that. You know, I, I didn't know I could have that. Do you have a preference? Who, who likes to tell the story of how you met? I think there's, there's parts of, of the story that we both like. Should we trade off? She we said, trade she off. said, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. like that old Kevin Bacon movie. He mm -hmm. said, she said. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to start? And then I know where to trade it off. <laughs> Do sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Because there's there's things about this that we don't agree on yeah. about the, our story. Okay. So I was going to quit music and become a cruise sales specialist. A cruise sales, sales specialist. specialist. Yeah. Okay. Bought into this franchise and was doing the training. And uh, I had this like last gig um, downtown Halifax and Matt Mays, Tim Baker, and uh, they came out to see the show. There were not many people there. And I think I announced on stage this was happening. And then after the show, Matt said, hey, let's have a chat. We, we sat down and we started talking about music. And I was like, how do you do this thing? Like, you know, and he's like, yeah, you shouldn't quit. It's all about the song and dedicating yourself to the craft. And don't worry about the money. And, and uh, why don't you come to the studio tomorrow? So I did that. I came into the studio to just sing on a demo he was recording at the Echo Chambers in uh, with Charles Austin in uh, North End Halifax and there were a couple other people around there's Adam Baldwin Jeff Gay um at some point in walks Dale Murray now I knew of Dale Murray and I thought he was this big hot shot um because my ex-husband lovely man used to jam with Dale but I had never met Dale because I was studying at university and so Evan was a musician from Austin and we'll go out and jam, and and he we was played shows together. You guys often. played shows yeah. together, yeah. and he would talk very highly about Dale. Brought home a CD, so I was listening to Dale's music, and I thought, all right, this guy's a producer. And anyway, so here I was finally meeting this nice man, and uh, we 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 all Matt, Dale, Jeff, um, Adam Baldwin, Charles. We all had went out that night, like after the session. We just had a we went we went basically restaurant and bar hopping around town. Mm -hmm. And ended up at the shoe shop, had a, a few drinks, many, many drinks. And uh, <laughs> Gordy Sampson was there. And mm -hmm. one boy Gordy was like, hey, you guys want to come back to the hotel? And I was like, 
no, see ya, we're going back to my place. So we all went back to my place. Did Gordy go with you? No, we, we left him in the we middle of the not, road. We, we, just we literally are, he said no to Gordy Sampson. He, Who knew? he literally is standing in the middle of the street as we're all leaving in a cab and we're turning around going, bye, Gordy. We didn't invite him. I don't know we? why. I think because it was like it just one, two. He he wasn't along for the ride, mm -hmm. or, you know, yeah. earlier. So that was before yeah. he wrote "Jesus Take the Wheel." No, he, had, no, he, he had written it. Oh, oh, we just uh, we just didn't care. Good no, no. But um, back to my place. We were up all night jamming, and then uh, th at some point, I had asked you if you would work on some songs with me, demos, maybe. Mm -hmm. And that became my second album, Two Hearts. Yes. And that changed the course of my career. Were there sparks that night? Dale, how did you feel? I mean, I was attracted to you, but I, I sparks, I think there was like a, like, oh, this person's really cool. I think we both like hanging out because every time we met afterwards, we automatically just meet and then we would stay talking. Yeah. I liked talking to him, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't see him. But as it wasn't a, a romantic thing. It was just, it just happened that we liked each other you yeah. know, as, as friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I got, I got back together with uh, somebody that I was not supposed to be with, I think, but I was with them for a couple of years. And I, then I was in that relationship when we started working together. And so yeah, it's funny. I would come to the studio to record and be like, Dale, is it normal when your boyfriend goes down south and is like sharing a bed with his best girlfriend and I wasn't invited? Is that normal? Because I'm convinced that I've been convinced that that's like a, that's cool, but it's kind of bothering me. And Yeah. And would, I would bite my tongue <laughs> often. Uh, but although eventually I was like, eh, you know, just sort of ease into like saying maybe not the coolest. Yeah. But I, I think I started just really appreciating our get-togethers. We would um, meet up when you would come back from tour at the Swiss Chalet. And I just really, I liked him. And then one birthday party, you maybe invited me to, or I just crashed. I think you crashed. I thought it was totally fine. <laughs> at that time, I was using, definitely using like Jägermeister as a, as a way to get everybody in the room like comfortable and loosen up. And so I brought this gigantic bottle of Jägermeister. Everybody was drinking it and we were up all night and I just, I just stayed over. Mm -hmm. And the first time that night you, you hugged me and I just knew I needed to leave this person. So yeah. the sparks really happened then. Then there were sparks. And then there were sparks and I just couldn't forget this hug and maybe this sweet, it's sweet a good kiss. hug. Yeah, it was literally just like kissing a hug and snuggle. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my goodness. Wow, this is really nice reminder of what this should be. And many months later, I we started, I think what was the start of our relationship. Um, and that point, I, I had moved out of this relationship. And Dale and I started this relationship. Now we had a few rough patches. I think we broke up like four times. This is where we don't agree on on on. We did break up, but it was the amount of times. So I say two times. I'm willing to concede a third time. I Maybe was I was four. wasn't privy to a fourth time. I don't yeah. know. This, this is last week, babe. Like an episode <laughs> of Friends. Yeah. We were on a break. Yeah, yeah we were on a yeah. Yeah. But the the last time we broke up was in we were in Florida. Yes. Uh, playing this festival, you had just uh, partially lost your vision. I scorched my eyes in a bad, like an overly uh, uh, chlorinated. Chemical, yeah, chlorinated pool. 
and uh, I couldn't see anything. So Dale's at his lowest, possibly blinded, permanently. But you were playing together there? We played there. We played, yeah. yeah. And uh, I felt the need. I just didn't, we weren't talking. Like here, I had gotten here a couple years later out of a marriage, out of a bad relationship. And of course I cared about him, but I had so much like crap that I had not ever dealt with. Like talking about childhood trauma, just as an adult. And so I kind of sensed, and I didn't, I just wasn't sure that Dale was going to stick around and, and that I, or that, that that was what I, I needed to be by myself and I needed to sort my shit out. Yeah. And on, on my end of it, I, I could sense that she had one foot out of the door the whole time. So I wasn't, I was like, keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything that's going to make her go all the way out that door, you know? But by doing that, I was, I was pushing her out the out the door yeah. even more so uh yeah so we eventually started once once okay, so, she once she was out the door so so i broke up within the fourth time we broke up and then yes. you called me now you take it away i called her and and i was like well i've got nothing nothing to lose here she's she's already we're 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 done as far as i i know and uh so i just called her i said look I just like to talk to you one more time. Can we meet up in in Point Pleasant Park? This is where we we often would go and 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 walk. And uh, so she said, "Yeah, sure. Well, we'll meet there." So we met, and I was so nervous to talk. I was I was just like, "Okay, I know. I have rehearsed everything to say." And I get her. We go down near the water, and we sit on on a park bench. I'm like, take a deep breath, and like, okay, Christina, and. All of a sudden, just like a rom-com, this marching band starts starts coming in loud, yeah, right by actual, us. And I was like, you band. have to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> it was really awesome. Yeah. And so I took her hand and we ran. I was like, well, we have to get away from this because I was in the mode. I need to talk. That right now. So we, we ran out on the rocks and I just, you know, poured out my heart. Yeah. And... Uh, you said if there's any ounce of you that could see us, and I was like, "Oh yeah, there's some ounces, like for there's sure." A couple like, ounces. I mean, and now, I mean, this is a whole new side of you that I'm seeing. But this is what I want. I want honesty, transparency, truth. I cannot. I was committed to not being in another relationship, and you know, even for myself, living a lie. And and so, to me, that was really exciting that that he took that step, and we never stopped talking after that. And we we were inseparable uh, after that. We walked out of the park, and it was like Tim. I don't know. It just kept going, and mm -hmm. then we got freaking married. Yeah. Not that day. <laughs> that so, would be weird. Yeah. So Point Pleasant Park is on the water, and you were on the rocks there. I picture someone uh, walking by later in the day and seeing two suits of armor that had been peeled off. Mm. Right? It's oh. like you took off your armor that day mm -hmm. and really saw each other. Yeah. Yeah. Dale seems to me to be so grounded. Was he like that then? Yeah, absolutely. He's always been really like steady. Like, I mean, one time I saw him get very upset with me. It was so funny. Um, it's just so out of character. But even when he gets excited, it's not for too long. And it's not like my level of excitement. Like, um yeah. And I think that's the pendulum stays yeah. In, yeah. very much in the middle. And I've I've learned that that's actually healthier for me to you know because I've struggled with like sort of the those pendulums swinging way too far 
and back. And so the manic kind of, and then, you know, it's almost like to depression. So I, I really appreciate that and try to practice that myself. For a long time, I was like, I think he's just having a great impact on me. But I do think we lift each other up and we- Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we have so much in common too. Like, I think it's the other thing where people think maybe we are so different, um, maybe because he's, he appears to be quieter, you know, uh, sometimes. Get him on, hooked up with red wine and he'll just, <laughs> chatty Kathy, can't shut him up. That's true. Um, <laughs> chatty Kathy. But, but we have so much in common. Like, we just, we just love hanging out together. And that's, I mean, that's the amazing thing. I, I think often people marvel when a couple, you call him your best friend. He's your musical partner. He's your best friend. He's your lover. He's your husband. He's, you know, so much. When did the idea of a marriage commitment sort of come in or, or a previous, you know, stage commitment really come into the picture? So correct me if I'm wrong, Dale, but... So I had been married before. I never thought I would be married again, only because I never thought I would marry my first husband in, in the first place. It was more he needed to, we wanted to move to Canada and I uh, cared very much. I loved him. And we thought, well, this will be easy. We'll get, we'll just get married, like no biggie. And so there was a part of me that thought, well, I'm never going to, I didn't want to go through that pain again of like hurting other people. Um, but I really liked this guy, Dale. And uh, I saw a life partner in him and I started just daydreaming about it. And I just, one day we were playing a festival in uh, Lockport, Nova Scotia, the Harmony Bazaar, and we were walking on the beach, very romantic. And we were sitting on this big rock and I, I, I just asked him a question, what do you think about marriage? And he looked at me and he said, I would love it if you would be my wife. And then I was like, Wait a second, are we getting married? Like <laughs> we just started giggling. Like and, we were just two little school kids. Yeah, yeah. Um and and I was like, what does this mean? And then I think do I don't know, did you ask me to marry I, you? I think I, I yeah, I, I did. At some point, I guess. And then we were just so giddy and and that so giddy that we were like, "Okay, let's get a ring." Let's. I don't know why that even came up so fast, but you're like, "I want to go get you a ring right now." And then we left the festival early, like my contract. <laughs> you left in uh, the middle of a, a, a set a or set. something. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? So unprofessional. And <laughs> kind uh, of romantic. Went to, uh, I believe it was Charm <laughs> Jewelers. I think oh, it was. Well, that sounds like a good time for a sponsor break. <laughs> um, we couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centers. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. So you were going for the ring. We went for the ring. We got the ring. We told our immediate family. And then all of a sudden, there was talk of a big thing. At least all the family had yeah. to be there. And I, oh no, that lit up trigger, 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 trigger. And we called it off. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't because we were going to break up. I just didn't, I was like, oh no, this is not what I want. I cannot do this and that became a whole thing and a concern for certain people, I think, in the family and, you know, are they going to stay together? And and we just said, look, we love each other and just realized 
that a, a wedding or a party is not going to be part of the plan. So we're just going to call it off for now. Was it that you didn't want the performative part? There was so much that I that going I think um, that I struggled with around family, and uh, I I really firmly believe that what we had was so special that I wanted to celebrate that and feel so good the way that we always felt. Mm-hmm. And I knew I at that point I wouldn't have been able to do that with family. It wouldn't have been around. about us. It yeah. would have been about everybody else, and that's yeah. not what we wanted. It's, so. You know, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote a book, and I, you might remember the title of it, but it was about marriage. And so we decided to elope in our home with the Justice of the Peace. Two witnesses we didn't know, but my, my parents did know this They did person. know the the witness. And, yeah, uh, they called. but he didn't know where he, everything was hush-hush. So he didn't know who he was going. He knew there was going to be a marriage. He didn't know it was us. And then came to the house, came to the house. opened the door. He said, your parents are going to kill me. <laughs> he looked at Dale. Yeah. But and he did it anyway. He did it anyway. Yeah. And he rubbed it in to my parents' face uh, yeah. over and over again. <laughs> it was such a lovely wedding. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And we've been together ever since. Mm-hmm. So, How long ago was that? 2011, February 24th. Wow. So has marriage changed your relationship? Has it changed? I'm trying to think back to before. I don't think so. It was a really beautiful memory that I have of what our wedding song was, Almost Saturday Night by Dave Edmonds. And we had that record on repeat. And I remember you doing a knee slide across the floor. At the end of the night. That was Just you and me. Just you and me. And then, then you stopped dancing for many years until the pandemic. So yeah. that that changed. And I was like, why doesn't he dance anymore? Is it because we're married? You know, like that was part of how he like, he lured me into his life because yeah. I really love dancing and I loved us dancing. Like it came Maybe back. he tore his ACL in that knee slide. It could, it was, yeah. Was... And he kept that, uh, he, that secret from me. Yeah. So you've traveled the world playing music together. But you also have a really special musical nest in your home. I'd love you to describe it. Well, I mean, we we bought the home uh, for the purpose of making making music, making art, doing our yeah. what we do there. That was that was the main goal of of, of having that place. So we uh, and far away from the city, far away, from, yeah, yeah, very very secluded, very quiet. We have a recording studio there. We have a rehearsal studio you you know she's got a little uh, recording setup uh-huh. upstairs and we're bouncing uh songs ideas back and forth to each other yeah uh it's and it's it's evolved over the years to the point where we'll, when we did make this new record um it was very collaborative like back and forth kind of kind of thing yeah like after the songwriting happened and we did the bed tracks I would be up in my studio, you know, writing string parts and and um, using MIDI tracks to just write melodies, send them down to Dale's studio, just down the stairs, and and then he would treat them or, you know, uh, have other ideas or come up and be like, what if you did this? And and because we do, even though we, you know, Dale's uh, uh, a big part of what I do, my solo career, um, we do have like separate lives, kind of. I feel like you have... Uh, you know, all this work you do with other artists mm-hmm. for yourself. Then sometimes sometimes you write by yourself for film and TV. Sometimes we do that together. 
Yeah. We do the podcasting together, but I record them separately and do all the pre-pro and then... I think it's a healthy amount of, yeah. of collaboration and a healthy amount of doing our own own thing. Even though we're always in the same vicinity, it doesn't mean that we're our energies are always going to the to the same thing. Yeah. They can go in the different directions. But. but ultimately, at the end of the day, we like to wrap things up around seven or six o'clock. Like we're, we're, I'm up early, Dale's up a little later. And then we work until six or seven and we try to shut it down and watch our favorite shows and cook together. And we're creatures of habit and I love routine to stay healthy. So we're in bed, always, you know, get enough sleep and like it's a pretty chill routine life. And mm -hmm. we love working. Like I, that's one thing I love and admire about Dale too is like he's a great work ethic. He's not flaky. So it's really been cool to just to see what we can do together and separately. And then something comes our way or an opportunity to do something. Now at this age, after so many years, we're like, oh yeah, we can try that. We could do that. And if it doesn't work out, so what? So is that part of the secret to Dale, you allowing Christina to be in the spotlight without you feeling, you know, second fiddle, so to speak, mm. uh, because you really do have all these other things going on as well. Mm -hmm. I know that often when you're on stage, the spotlight might be slightly skewed toward her. Oh, absolutely. And a lot yeah. of guys would think, oh, wait a sec, I don't think I could deal with that. Mm. Yeah. Well, we we often get the, uh, uh, why isn't Dale in the video? Why isn't Dale on the, on the yeah. poster? To, this is by design. Like I have no problem with being a side person or being behind the scenes with with Christina or with other people. It's it's not really my thing to be in the spotlight, even though I am sometimes. Uh, but I try not to pull so much focus when when, on, when we're on stage together. Yeah, sometimes I wish you would. Like uh, you know, and sometimes I, I sometimes I, I do when it's when I feel like it's appropriate. Uh, flashes but, those blue eyes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, yeah. I'm not over there going, you know, look at me. It's it's more of like eh, I think I could add something here, you know, to the show or or whatever. But it's not it's not uh, that important to me. So yeah, I think it works out that way, you know, well. So. so often at the end of these podcast episodes, I ask people if it's a romantic couple what they love most about the other, and this is a little different because. You two voice it so freely. We've mm -hmm. already heard quite a bit of that. Often people are more, you know, private. But I'm still going to ask because I just can't wait to hear what the answer is. Dale, what do you love most about Christina? I I love her passion for what she does, you know, for her, her business, but also every aspect of her life. There's a real passion there that she wants to get better at 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 everything she does and it makes it makes me want to do better as well and oh i'm literally tearing up right now <laughs> cuz usually i'm like what do you even do you even like me i'm kidding <laughs> come on <laughs> oh that's well, sweet through your through your tears you need to answer the question too well i really appreciate what i love about dale oh my gosh um i mean i love that when i started opening up and even to this day, anything I feel is hard, I can say to Dale and he's not going to like, well, gaslight me or run away or like he will be supportive and listen. And what does the future hold for you two? You, you're a planner, Christina. Yes. He's um, the producer who's totally present. And yeah. what's your plan? 
It's it's funny that you're asking me. Like right now, to be honest, I would honestly just say more of the same because I really love our life and we would be so blessed if we could just have more of the same making more art together. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have any grandiose, like I want us to be happy and healthy mm -hmm. uh, doing what we love. So cre maybe creative freedom is security to do that. Yeah, I don't know about you, but re recently it, f it feels like the future is open again where the, with the pandemic, it seemed things started closing in and now I'm, I'm, I'm coming into this this time, this period where it's like, oh, that the future's open again. I feel like let's get out and yeah. and do this. So, I mean, uh, we are going to Europe this fall. We're launching a new album this this year, um, 2023 fall. And so, with that, we'll get to get back to some of the stuff we used to do, which is touring and communicating the music. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, it would be great to do more of that as well. But I really am legitimately happy if we can stay together and happy and healthy and secure to keep making art. That might, ha that might have to be the title of the episode, More of the Same. <laughs> yeah, is that like, it sounds... Yeah, same old, same old. That's cool, cool, yeah. I know, that's pretty, that's pretty lovely. The East Coast Music Awards Week is coming up in early May, and I know you're doing a, a couple of showcases, and people can see you there, so I want them to know that if they're on this coast. It's going to, of course, the big national broadcast has brought a huge spotlight to East Coast music. And as musicians and producers, what would you say the East Coast Music Association and the awards have done for this? It's been 35 years. What has it done for musicians on the East Coast? Well, I mean, geographically, we are we're apart from the rest of the country. Trying to get out there and, and have people know who you are, you know, we needed that push. So that's been a huge thing. It's probably one of the big reasons why people on the uh, West Coast know any bands from here, really. I mean, the ECMAs, you know, there's a lot of networking going on and, and call it schmoozing or whatever. I just think it's fun meeting people and these delegates come and they they bring artists from Atlanta, Canada, all over the world to perform and you never know what kind of effect that can have. Like we did a showcase at the UCMAs in Prince of Rhode Island. That summer we're, we're um, invited to open for the Killers at the RBC Blues Fest in Ottawa and the Psychedelic Furs on the main stage. I mean, you know, to, to, to us that was like, that was like, okay, we made it. Like this is... <laughs> This and that wouldn't great. have happened. That wouldn't have happened. Played that, that so, showcase. So get out there and do that stuff if you can, and have fun with it. I think it's it's yeah. I'm beyond the nerves about it. It's it is literally all about fun and meeting new people and maybe getting to go someplace new, making a, a valuable connection, but in a meaningful way, not like a taking advantage. In term, you know, when I say valuable, it sounds like, oh, that is the old form of, of networking. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to take advantage of whoever I'm meeting. I'm talking about real connection. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And what can, that can foster. I just want to say thank you both so much. It was so fun and heart-filling. I concur. <laughs> I agree. I love this. I love talking to you, Nance, and being in your presence. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. And if you want to help us spread the love even more, rate and review our podcast. It makes such a difference. 
We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.